What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I'm very excited to welcome in our guest this week, uh, Mike Craddy, who is, uh, I think, making a return to the pod, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Both a little bit earlier than last year. I think we did it right before the Washington series last year, but almost a year in the making um, to the day. But glad that things are a lot different than they were last year and um, hopefully on the upswing. And, of course, with the occasion, meaning plenty of brewing stuff to talk about. So happy to be back, Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously we're still a little bit away from the playoffs, but obviously the trade deadline took place yesterday. Um, the Bruins obviously making a couple of moves, made one move on Saturday with the trade for Hampus Lindholm, signed him to an extension on Sunday. Um, so I think, Mike, that's where I kind of wanted to start today, um, talking about the, the Lindholm trade and then the deal. Um, so just overall reaction to that trade from, from your perspective. Yeah, it's like sort of in a way what I expected. I think at the very least you were giving up a first and another pick or two. Looking at a guy like Vakanainen or Jack Ashan or ideally not, but maybe Mason Lorai if that needs to get it done. Um, but I'm glad it was Vakanainen in this case. Didn't expect to move John Moore, but I think this is pretty much – the t- sort of the framework I kind of expected for a Lindholm deal for it to happen. Um, and then the extension makes it much more worth it. 6.5 is, is fine for a league that's ideally going to have the salary cap go up in mm. future years. So that 6.5 will look even nicer as time goes on. And it was nice too, for the, for the, you know, obvious reasons outside of the player um, and the long-term fit and what he does for the team to get it done you know, with ample time to make another deal. Obviously, they didn't end up making a huge second deal, but it was good so they didn't have to, like, rush at the end and Sweeney might have panicked a little bit or something might have happened that would have been less than ideal. You know, we had it on Saturday. It happened. Um, Gave us some time to have things settle in and really internalize the deal, you know, look look forward to the eventual extension and, you know, what he can bring to the lineup. I'm super stoked. I've liked Hampus Lindholm for a long time. Um, he's a, I think a lot of people don't really think of him as a big defenseman, but he's got a big frame too outside of, you know, his skill set as a puck mover, um, a really solid guy in three zones more often than not. And yeah, there's really nothing to not like about this besides maybe the length of the contract. But my whole thing since the deal happened has been when now or later. So, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I think obviously when you trade for someone like that who is a pending restricted or unrestricted free agent, there is always the concern about the long-term deal. So I'm glad that they were able to get him signed. You know, I think, like you said, the 6.5 is is really solid. And especially with, you know, if the cap is going to go up, I think that that's a really good number for him. And I think really, you know, fills a need that the Bruins have had for a really long time um, or at least since Charlie McAvoy has kind of come into his own that you have another defenseman that you know he can play with and he doesn't have to you know carry the load so to speak 
um, that you can bring in another player of someone like Lindholm's ability. And, you know, that can just kind of be a big addition to what, the, what they do defensively. Yeah. I think um, a lot of, a lot of like the surrounding narrative for the defense now has been taking pressure off McBoy. But I think it takes a lot of pressure off of anybody that's going to be in that top four, because I think, you know, Mac Rizlick is a fine defenseman, but on a cup winning team, you ideally have a guy like Lindholm on the top pairing over uh, Grizzlick. And ideally Grizzlick and Carlo can, you know, get better as time goes along. They have, you know, pretty good chemistry more often than not, but you know, it's not as strong as Grizzlick and McAvoy. Um, so hopefully, you know, this can really turn into a sturdy top four. However, it ends up shaking out. You know, it, it just really adds a bona fide piece and not only just bona fide piece, the um, defensive core, we saw what they did with Taylor Hall last year. They extended him. Now you have Lindholm locked up for a while. These are moves that can extend the championship window, at least somewhat. Like maybe not their absolute, they're not like absolute game changers, like no doubter moves. You know, I think the Bruins, as time goes along and certain guys make their way out, retire, you're going to see some bumps in the road. But these are moves now that you have won each of the past two years that I think are really going to um, significantly improve your chance of extending the um, competing window and hopefully staying in the playoffs for long after Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand are gone whenever those deals happen. You know, next up for the big moves, it looks like is looking forward way down the road to Pasternak. And if you can get Pasternak signed when he's ready, that's when things really get exciting. Can they deliver on extending that window or not? And Lindholm's a huge step to hopefully doing that and ideally winning in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just kind of going back to the idea of extending that competing window, you now have your top four defense defensemen that are locked up for, you know, at least two of the next three years. And so it's like you have those four Lindholm, McAvoy, Grizzlick, and Carlo, and they're all signed for the next few years. So, you know, that at least gives you some comfort that, okay, they're probably going to be really strong defensively. There probably will be changes in the forward group, but, you know, Hall will be here. Hopefully Pasternak will be here once that deal gets finalized. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine what he's going to get in terms of a deal, but, you know, it'll probably some, be somewhat team-friendly, I would think. Yeah, I don't – it's hard to say, and it's, you know, lock and change in between now and then. But I have early gut feeling is he's going to be the first double-digit um, in terms of millions uh, mm-hmm. player in the history of the organization. You see McAvoy just get under um, $10 million. I think Pasternak's looking at $10.5, um, which is fine because if he keeps this up, I mean, if Pasternak played on, on this pace that he's been on since January 1st all year – we'd be talking about a top five goal scorer in the league in terms of, you know, just specific goals, maybe not points because you're looking at 90 point range. Maybe he'd be up there, but you know, he'd be probably at like 39, 38, 40 goals uh, right now. If he's on that pace all year, he's absolutely worth it. And that's going to be the next uh, big move, but hopefully things work out there. I, I hope you're right. I hope we do get a team friendly deal somehow again, because Sweeney is, shown that you know with internal free agencies you know does pretty good business so hopefully that'll be his next uh masterful stroke when that uh when that comes across the negotiating table for him 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the next thing that came up that was, you know, we'll talk about the Josh Brown trade in a moment, but uh, Jake DeBrus getting that extension, you know, I think plenty of people were probably confused by that, but, you know, I think giving him a new contract and giving him, you know, the 4 million makes him a little bit more palatable. You know, I think that there were plenty of people, including myself, that assumed he was going to be traded that day. That obviously was not the case. You know, I think the thought is he'll probably get moved in the summer, but, you know, that's just me speculating. What What do you think? Yeah, I think at this point he's absolutely going to be moved around the draft. Um, for what, you know, lock and change in between now and then, we can just eventually go back to certain players we've speculated in the past, like maybe Dominic Kubelik, Philip Heedle, whoever, you know, you could throw out any number of players. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing that had me worried is after the extension news came out, I was kind of waiting on seeing something from LeBron or Drager be like, um, don't get too comfortable with a tweet, like don't get too comfortable with Jake DeBrusque and boss. And, you know, sources tell me a trade is being facilitated and could be done within the next however long period of time. Mm-hmm. When we didn't get that, you know, they talked about, you know, they're hoping this could facilitate, facilitate a trade. That's nice. But in the back of my mind, I was like hoping I don't know about that. Um, I kind of got worried. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to really be – we're really not going to be able to get this done, aren't we? But, of course, like any crazy hockey fan, I was refreshing Twitter like 9,000 times throughout the day. So I was waiting for it, but it didn't happen. It's it's okay. I mean, I think from his comments recently, um, following the trade deadline, him and his agent both realized that you know, it's in their best interest to, you know, get Jake DeBrusque in that winning mindset, wanting to contribute while he's here because he's stuck here for a little while longer. And, you know, although he's got this two-year deal for his long-term future, it's just in the best interest for him in general to play well because it's going to make him more appealing as a trade asset. You know, maybe if he dogs it, he's like, oh, I can stick it to the Bruins, make it harder for me to be moved. But it's kind of what he has to weigh. My my bet is his age is like, dude, like you want out of here. You got to bust your ass so we can make this happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is probably the same way that, that I was thinking that, that I'm feeling. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just hoping that he can continue to stay motivated and play the way that, you know, we hope he can play and, you know, the way that he's played recently. You know, he's put up the... 11, 12 points in his last 16, 17 games, whatever it is. Um, you know, obviously he's been cold very recently, but I think he's still someone that I think could still contribute to this team the rest of the season. And I think it's also, it tells you a lot about him as a player that he's not, you know, demanding a trade, that he is not, you know, pouting about this. I think there are a lot of people that are making him out to be someone that, you know, is bringing the team down, but I think it's pretty clear that they're letting him ride with, with Bergeron and Marsh and on that top unit. And, you know, I think he's done a good job of staying motivated and not, you know, letting this trade request kind of bring him down and bring the team down. Yeah. When he made those comments a couple of weeks ago, like he's pretty, it's like a Belichickian answer. Like he handled it pretty well, you know, 
he had he seemed like he was prepared for it. It's not like he had a scramble. And then um what were the comments yesterday about like how it was like the first something about like what was what was the word he used? Do you do you remember what he said to the media like the first like sigh of relief or something like Yeah, it was like he kind of wasn't what did he say. Yeah, I honestly yeah, yeah, if you want to pull up look that. it up real quick. But yeah, no, I think that was very interesting what he said yesterday. Um yeah, I think it was something along something along those lines. Um but I think, you know, and we'll talk about this in a moment about, you know, trying to find a, a trade partner for, for someone to bring into Brusk. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how he plays the rest of the year and, you know, can he help the team? And I think, you know, based on what we've seen in the past from him in the playoffs, he's certainly capable of, you know, taking over a game, taking over a couple games and being another you know, forward that the Bruins can use and can count on to score some goals. Yeah. He said, I haven't felt clarity in three months. It's kind of nice to, that, uh, to have that kind of dealt with. And he said, I don't look at it as a negative situation. It's about winning the Stanley Cup at this point. I think I can get anybody can get behind that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's – he's handling this better. You know, he could he could be a lot more like – bullshit about it and be a little more crass but he hasn't been and it's okay with me i mean it's nice that he does have some clarity maybe this takes a weight off his shoulder and he weight off his shoulders and he starts playing better um and we'll see because like you said i mean we've seen him be an x factor in the playoffs so if they want to do it they're gonna need him Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely you know i think that, you know, the Bruins choosing to stick with him, the Bruins choosing to stick with Eric Hall as their second line center. Those are two guys that really are going to need to continue to play really well because the Bruins are going to need it. Um, so the other trade that the Bruins made, they made it yesterday, uh, a couple hours before the deadline, uh, bringing in Josh Brown from the Ottawa Senators, uh, previously had played in Florida, I believe, um, so the Bruins bringing him in, getting a conditional seventh round pick, which I believe will turn to a sixth round pick if uh, Zach Senishin plays five games with Ottawa before the end of the season. The Bruins sent him and a fifth round pick back to Ottawa. So not the sexiest move. I think that there are some people on Twitter that were expecting a sexier move, but I think Josh Brown gives them some size at that on, on that right side someone that can play with a little nasty, um, but not someone that needs to play every game. You know, it's kind of just a, a depth guy. So, uh, Mike, did you have any thoughts about that trade? Yeah, I, I'm honestly not thrilled about it in one way, but it's fine with me in another because I think you had to ideally move on from Senishin. He's Group 6 UFA in the summer. Like he wants to trade out. He's not, he's not the same type of, you know, scenario. He doesn't have the same type of scenarios to brusque, but I think this is the perfect type of move you're going to move him in. It's either something like this or it's for like a seventh, a seventh round pick at this rate. 
because he's a middle six forward in the AHL. They don't just don't have a ton of trade value. Um, she's a guy that's blocked in the depth chart. Hasn't worked out. Has shown, you know, flashes in NHL games. Um, but the good thing, you know, I don't love Brown as a player. I didn't like him when he came into Florida. I didn't like him in uh, Ottawa the past year and a half or so. Um, but in this Bruins depth chart, he's like the eighth or ninth defenseman. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't see him playing a lot. You know, maybe he plays here and there the regular season against more physical teams. He's insurance. We need him in the playoffs. The way I look at it is you traded back and on and more and you signed Michael Callahan out of Providence who you traded a pick for. 2024-7, then you got Cody Curran and Josh Brown. So you got your depth defenseman back. You know, you, you replenish some of that a little bit. You still have Jack Sean, Nick Wolf, Brady Lyle, Victor Berglund of the minors, but those guys are, you know, lower end options, not guys you're really going to call up um, in the playoffs or Tyler Lewington, maybe more realistic call up, but it just, you know, reassures depth. We know, unfortunately, sometimes the Bruins can be really, battered by injuries on the back end so i don't hate it but i'm glad at this point you know for senish's sake too um he goes back to his hometown um team he, he was born in ottawa so it works for me but i don't know i think if you pulled bruins fans a week ago and asked who you think would be traded between debrusque and senish and i think you probably would have got 90 percent debrusque mm-hmm. um in those votes no matter how many you got um but yeah, I mean, it's not the worst trade in the world. It's just like you said, it's not a sexy move. It's nothing to get too excited about. But you know, in the right scenario, if Brown comes in, you just gotta hope he lays a bunch of hits and maybe fights someone because that's really all he does. So if you're expecting that much, much more from Josh Brown, um, you're gonna be disappointed. But you know, when he's in the lineup, I hope he can provide some impact. He's kind of like a, a younger Jared Tenorti in a way, and Jared Tenorti worked out even though you got it for free on waivers on a trade. So hopefully he's, if he's in the lineup, he can bring that, that big physical presence like Tenorti did and you can never have enough depth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen, I feel like every year in the playoffs, someone gets hurt. So it's like, okay, you just bring in someone extra who, you know, in all likelihood probably won't play many games, but just as there in case something happens. And, you know, it is funny because I thought, you know, Clifton played excellent last night and it was like, okay, he is like putting the the team and the coaching staff on notice. Like you're not taking me out of the lineup. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fine trade, as you said, but I think it's not going to be anything that people are going to get, you know, crazy excited about. Um, I know that plenty of people were uh, getting or, you know, getting excited on Twitter when uh, the Bruins were reportedly interested in Ricard Raquel, you know, ultimately Pittsburgh comes in and, 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 and takes him. The Bruins end up, you know, not bringing in another forward, which, you know, I think it upsets some people, but I think at the same time, you look at the forward market at the deadline and it was pretty weak, you know? And so it's like, unless you want to overpay for Andrew Kopp, you know, there's really not anyone in that market that I think really was going to make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, the thing that hurt, hurt them with the Andrew Kopp return, looking at what 
Winnipeg got is they moved two second round picks. Mm-hmm. The Jets got two second round picks, like a sixth and Morgan Barron. That equivalent for the Bruins is probably two seconds, like Jack Stanika in a sixth. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jack Stanika's got more offensive upside than Morgan Barron, but they're both like tweener NHL players, young centers around the same age. And the, the trade that really bothers me that they didn't make is the Raquel one because for the Bruins there, that's like that's like a second round pick, Tomas Nosek for like your ass and Reese equivalent, Callie Klang, that's like Kyle Kaiser or Phillips Viedbach, who they just drafted this year. And then Dominic Simone is like Curtis Lazar. Like they traded like two fourth liners, a goalie prospect, and a second round pick. Like that's not a lot. But for the Bruins, I think they want to keep that forward core together, but it's not like they, didn't, they wouldn't have guys that could step in. You know, they have Anton Bleed, Mark McLaughlin now, Cam Hughes, and some HL guys, but that's the one that bothers me more. I don't think anybody's really talking about it, but I talked to my dad about this yesterday. I really feel like the Bruins equivalent to that wouldn't have been so crazy, but I'm not on the phone with the GMs, so I don't know. Maybe yeah. – they wanted DeBrusque from the Bruins in more, and Sweeney wasn't comfortable with that for God knows whatever reason, because I would have been cool with it. But again, I'm not the GM. Um, it just it just stinks, and especially for Raquel. I mean, Pittsburgh, it seemed like, came in at the very last minute, at least for what was being reported. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stinks. Same thing happens with Max Domi. Hurricanes come in late. They sweat, snag Max Domi. I didn't want Max Domi, but he was an option for the Bruins. You know, there was a lot of salary retention too, so you would have had him really cheap um, and what ended up being the deal to Carolina. And with him going to Carolina, Raquel going to Pittsburgh, and Cobb going to the Rangers, those are all teams you could play in the playoffs. So that just makes it sting more. Yeah. Right now it's looking like Carolina. Carolina gets a player in Max Domi for nothing off their current roster when they've, you know, outscored you 18 to one and three Oh, in the season series. I don't love that. I don't, but at the same time, you know, as we talked earlier, Lindholm is a massive addition. You mm-hmm. had some depth in the college free agent market um, and uh, um, elsewhere. Maybe they're not done in the college free agent market as well as the season goes along. You know, some teams are still alive. So players aren't signing, but I don't know. It stinks, but I mean, I've come to terms with it more so than I was yesterday. I was pretty bummed out yesterday for a little bit, not going to lie, but I'm coming to terms with it, and it just puts more pressure on DeBrusque. I just can't help but circle it back to DeBrusque and um, feel like the pressure is so much more on him with uh, another bridge deal. You know, what a better way to set yourself up for hopefully not a bridge deal in your future by having a great playoff run after you get this two-year extension. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think what what I'm here and I'm here purely speculating, but I think Sweeney, when he makes trades, is always interested in guys that either are you know signed for a, a period of time, you know, or the or you can sign to an extension. I feel like it seemed like Raquel was going to test the free agent market, and so it's like, do you risk losing? you know, DeBrusque for, you know, probably half a season of Raquel. And so I'm wondering, 
you know, if, if that's what Sweeney was thinking, I'm not yeah. saying that like, that's the way that I would approach it because I think a lot of people would approach that differently. Um, but I think just, again, you know, thinking about Domi, obviously he's a talented kid. He's been a talented kid ever since he came in, but I feel like, I don't feel like he's a huge upgrade over anyone in the forward group. And so I think that at least is my reasoning where it's like, okay, you could bring in Raquel, you could bring in Domi, but it's like at the end of the day, are they really going to make you that much better? Because you went into the the trade market with the centers and Pavelski signs an extension, Hurdle signs an extension. Giroux says he doesn't want to play for you. So it's like, there really wasn't any elite, there weren't really any elite forwards that were really available. And so I think it would be different if one of those guys were available and the Bruins missed out on them and they went to like Tampa Bay or Toronto. But I think, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. But like you said, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on DeBrusque. It's a lot of pressure on Eric Holla, who I think has had a better second half of the season, but there's still a lot of, there's still a question mark there. Yeah, the nightmare would have been if Hurdle hit the trade market and other teams in the East that were speculated, like I saw Pittsburgh thrown out there, the Rangers. Like, that would have been a real nightmare um, if you went to one of those teams. Colorado was thrown out there, too. They're not a direct competitor in the East for the Bruins, but, like, oh, my God. If Colorado ended up with Giroux or Hurdle and didn't win the Cup, that would have just been nuts. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, Colorado – had a solid deadline, even though they didn't get either of those guys. So hopefully they can write the narrative that's starting to build against them of, you know, not being able to get it done. But I mean, that team is just very, very good and got even better. So we'll see if they can break that narrative. Yeah. So I think just to kind of continue with the Bruins, obviously have 19, 20 games left in the season. Um, What are some things that you're looking at in terms of, this team gearing up for the playoffs, whether it's, you know, the new acquisitions, you know, keeping an eye on DeBrusque, what are you, what are you most curious about? I'm curious to see, you know, in the goaltending department, how the breakdown goes down with goaltending, because right now my thought process over the past few weeks or so has been, you know, playoff start today, you play swim in every game besides one or two in a series, because, Omar has definitely not been as good as Swayman, but he didn't sign the guy for $5 million to not play him in the playoffs at all. Like, he, he has to play in the playoffs, even if it's just one game a series. Um, you have to give him some chance to establish himself as a guy that's never played in the playoffs. You got to give him some bit of a test run. Um, so that's interesting there. I think Swayman is just going to continue to establish the starting role. Mm-hmm. How can you not think about Fabian Lysel with those comments too from Sweeney? Oh, um, yeah. My thought process on Lysel is um, I see some people talking about the playoffs. No, thanks. Um, I want them to give Fabian Lysel an audition late in the regular season though. Um, I don't think throwing a, a kid that's still pretty small, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to harp on guys for being undersized, but he's 19. He's not super big yet give him a test run late in the regular season, give him like half the season, the AHL next year, and then go from there because sure you could use him right now, but like it's not the end of the world if you don't, because 
You don't want anything him getting hurt. You want to carefully monitor his development. This is a guy who hasn't even played a first, his first full season in North America yet. Right. The, 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 the Vancouver Giants are still playing. He's having a great year. I mean, he drew the praise from one of his coaches of being the best skater his coach had ever seen besides McDavid or Pavel Bure, mm. who are two of the best skaters in the history of hockey. Mm. Um, but you do not have to rush Fabian Lysel. And that's really where I'm at. I want, you know, maybe three or four games late in the regular season, maybe two or three, then a good stint in the AHL next year, let him get a, a, a company to the physicality, you know, get some, get coached up a little bit. And then when he's ready, just let him run free right out of the gate. Um, and then the next thing is, you know, one more thing I'm looking forward to up front is whether Eric Howell can keep this up going into the playoffs, because, you could make the case that he's just being cushioned by the two pillows around him. But mm. I mean, he's also still making plays. Like we saw it last night too, that nice pass to Marshawn. Like he's mm. no slouch. It's not like he's just a tap in merchant. It's not like, you know, he's his goal scoring is coming from all the netters or something like he's legit keeping up. And I think that's partially due to his speed. That's the, that's his biggest asset. I mean, you got two guys that can legit burn and legit use their hands to make crazy plays around defenders and Holland Poshnock, you got to be fast to keep up with them. Right. So those are three things I'm really looking forward to. And, of course, that's out of the obvious, just seeing how Lindholm establishes himself on yeah. the back end and how his, what his fit ends up looking like. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's talked about playing with McAvoy and Carlo, but I think ideally once they get to the playoffs, he'll have one um, set-in-stone defensive partner for the majority, if not all of the playoffs, no matter how long they last. Yeah, I think defensively, I'm curious to see what goes on with that third pair. You know, I think logically, you know, it probably is Forbert and Riley, but I guess I'd be interested to see, do one of those guys sit? Do they want Clifton to play? Do they, you know, throw Josh Brown in there? I guess I'd be surprised if Brown is the one that gets, you know, starts. I think, you know, you likely see Riley and, and Forbert, but I guess, you know, that will be interesting if they do indeed go with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Hall, I think, as you said, I think has been very solid recently, I think, especially since the new year, you know, um, I think that he has, you know, had had five points in his first 25 games, has 22 points in his last 35, you know, which I think comes out to about 50 points or like a 50 point pace. So I think, you know, clearly he's not the perfect guy to be your t- typical second line center, but I think you have Hall and you have Pasternak. Those are two guys that I think with their skill sets really can play well with anyone. I think the three of them have developed some good chemistry and, you know, Hall made a couple of nice plays last night, you know, as you said, so that I'm, I'm also curious about um, the goaltending thing also, that you brought up, I think is also very interesting um, because like you said, I think, you know, Allmark definitely has deserved some, maybe a couple playoff starts, but also, like you said, you're paying him $5 million. He probably should be getting in a couple of playoff games. And especially if you make a run, like right. Swayman's first playoff run, say, he, say they make a run and he plays like 20 games. That's a lot to ask of a 23 year old, player um and Swayman is just really as cool as they come it seems but like 
for any guy. You can be the coolest guy on planet Earth. And it's just like, it's really a ton to ask. And yeah, man, that's going to be interesting to see how the breakdown goes. I hope that you don't give Omar some love in the crease. All I ask on the third pairing, as you bring that up, is we don't see Forbert and Josh Brown because that will just not be fun to watch because, I mean, they're both just giants who aren't great at skating. Um, That pairing could just be a black hole. Um, Yeah, it's – if you have to move anybody out the right side, I mean, you could try Forbert on the right side, but – you move Riley to the right side. You keep Forbert on the left side. He's not mobile enough, not enough like of a puck-moving defenseman. That's why, you know, Jack Sean lines up there in practice, not really in games, but Matt Grizzlick's lined up on the on the, um, the offside before. We never saw Krug do it. Um, Mike Riley even did a little early in the season. It's easier for those puck-moving guys. We're right. seeing, you know, just another example in the league, Cam York, a, um, a first-rounder recently of the Flyers looking for a spot in that defensive core. So the best thing for him has been playing the right side. It mm. happens. You know, some guys, you know, whether you're trying to make your way in the league or you just need to move around to make things work in your current defensive core, sometimes you have to do it. And Riley is, I think, the best fit for that. Clifton's fine, you know, but I think at this point we're going to see a rotating cast between Forbert, Clifton, Riley, and Brown. So, mm. and maybe even Jack and Sean. So mm. could be a, a five-headed monster. Um, but it's a good problem to have, man. You know, your, your top four is very sturdy. And if ideally your third pairing is the biggest point of contention, biggest point of competition, you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. So I think just quickly before we get to other traits that happened yesterday, there are three things I wanted to bring up first. I think going back to your point about Lysel, I think as much as, you know, we would all like to see him you know, play in playoff games this year. I think it makes a lot, a lot, a lot more sense for the Bruins to, you know, bring him along slowly because the last thing you want is, you know, a, a, Shvech, a Svechnikov situation like a couple of years ago when Ovechkin, you know, fought him or whatever that was. You don't want him having to deal with something like that. Um, the second thing is the bottom six. I'm curious to see how they continue to play the third line has been on fire recently, which has been great to watch. Um, And then the fourth line, you know, I think that that's a line that I think could really make a difference for you in the playoffs. If you're playing a team that, you know, you can take advantage of uh, in the defensive zone like Toronto. So curious to see how they look, you know, once the playoffs come around. Um, And then lastly, you mentioned Ashan. I've really liked what I've seen from him recently. So I'm curious to see you know, obviously we don't want any injuries to happen, but I think if there's an injury, he could certainly slide in there in that third pair. So I'd be curious to see, you know, what he can do if he gets an opportunity. So talking about the other, like, big deals that have happened around the trade deadline, what's one that has, like, stood out to you? I'll say because I didn't expect him to get moved, I'm going to say Flurry. Not only that, it's just, I really, really, really like what Minnesota did. I think they took on a little more salary, which they honestly can't afford to do with the $14 million in buyouts kicking in next year. Um, they take on a little bit more, more money than they would with Nico Sturm, ship him out for Tyson Jost. I like Tyson Jost, 
I don't think he's going to play much more than he did in Colorado, but he's a nice pickup, I think, for depth for um, Nico Sturm. Nick Delorier is a huge add for a team that's really struggled on the penalty kill. So is Jacob Middleton. Um, I didn't realize until, you know, he popped up in trade rumors how good of a penalty killer he really was. Kind of picked up on it a little bit watching Sharks games throughout the year, but I never knew until seeing stats how, like, legit dominant he is. And um, he's another guy, like I mentioned, Senishin earlier, could come a group six UFA. So, I mean, if he has a good run, he could make a pretty good market for himself on the free agent market. And then when you get Flurry, you flip Capo Kakinen for, um, for Middleton. I mean, that's just good, tidy business. It sucks they have to move Kakinen as a young goalie, but I mean, Flurry's a legit upgrade. And with Cam Talbot struggling, you know, you get help in front of Cam Talbot and Flurry with Middleton and Delorier on the penalty kill. And I think Tyson Jost um, adds a nice, you know, piece of bottom six depth as well. And Flurry, man, he could be the difference maker in the playoffs. We've seen him, you know, really shine in the playoffs. We've seen him in a situation like this too with, with Matt Murray. Like he's, they've bounced back and forth in the playoffs with one another as well. So if that ends up being the case with him and Talbot, it's kind of the perfect guy to have for Talbot because Flurry's kind of been through that. So mm-hmm. I really like what Minnesota did. And I think Flurry could be a massive, massive difference maker um, for them. And, Man, that team got a, they got a lot tougher to play against with Delorier and um, Middleton, especially two guys who can legit fight, um, play hard and physical. And for a team that's been sliding and struggling on the penalty kill, Bill Guerin didn't seem like he wanted to do anything too crazy flashy, but he ended up making the flashy move. Then a few other really solid, you know, moves to stabilize the team and make them more formidable because. Minnesota's not guaranteed to make the playoffs. So, hmm. you know, sturdy, making things a little more sturdy, I think was in the best interest of the team. And I think Bill Guerin did that really responsibly. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think they had a great deadline. I think they're a team that like, you know, as much as Colorado has been tearing apart the league this year, I don't think that they want to see Minnesota in the playoffs. Like, no. I don't, I, like, I me as a fan, I would love to see that series. And I think just Flurry going up going up against that team, you know, that that could be a wild series if that ends up happening. Um, so speaking of kind of getting sturdier and tougher, I thought I thought the Rangers had a good deadline. You know, I like the players that they brought in. You know, I think Braun is a sneaky good addition. I kind of kind of wanted the Bruins to get him. Um, Tyler Mott's a really, a really good young player. Um, and then Cop, you know, I think he's not making a huge difference offensively, but I think at five on five, which I think the Rangers kind of struggle at, he's someone that can, you know, help them a little bit. I also really liked that they got Frank Vetrano uh, from the Panthers. That was a, a really sneaky good signing by them. So I thought they had a good deadline as well. Yeah, the Rangers, I mean, they're kind of, they're a team people were wondering, you know, with some of those young defensive with prospects they have, they could move some of them to make a splash. They didn't. Um, but Justin Braun just gives them more stability on that third pair. Um, now you got a rotating cast of guys like Patrick Nemeth, Zach Jones, Justin mm-hmm. Braun will be in the mix, Nils Lundqvist. Um, they got a lot of options there. So that's, you know, a good problem to have for them. I really like Andrew Cobb. I was, you know, he was the guy for the past week or so I really wanted. Um, the Bruins to end up with in the DeBrusque trade because 
I don't know why, but like I was getting excited about the idea of Raquel, but I was never like counting on like, oh, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Right. Just wasn't how I was feeling. I honestly thought with Vegas coming into the mix that with Riley Smith as a pending UFA, it said at the dawn of Riley Smith was gonna be sent to Anaheim, mm. but that didn't end up happening. But I really like Cobb, man. He can he, he I think he's played a little bit of the right, but he's primarily a left um wing and a center. Yeah. I just think he he just like he's one of those guys that always has his motor going, and mm-hmm. um I just like his uh, play style. If they run out Mont Goudreau and Reeves in that fourth line, that's gonna be a really tough fourth line to play against. Um, I think Tyler Mott was one of the better value pickups. I think you know he's been talked up a lot of Vancouver. Maybe you know Vancouver could have gotten like a third for him, or like a fourth and like a late pick, or a fourth and a like a low end prospect, just because you know teams overpay at the deadline that's just how it goes but um i really like what the rangers did too and um one thing i know kind of surprised they didn't end up moving georgiev um Mm. i thought two other goalies that could have moved were georgiev and reimer especially with the uh sharks getting kakinen but uh neither of those guys ended up moving edmonton Mm. didn't add a goalie toronto didn't add a goalie they tried to but harry terry got claimed off waivers so um yeah, it was an interesting deadline, and the Rangers definitely made some noise. I thought they'd be a, a sleeper team in on a guy like Forsberg or Line if they really became available. But those guys, as we know, were not super available, and the Predators now risk losing Forsberg for nothing. Um, but, yeah, the Rangers, I mean, it's just another team. The East is crazy stacked now. The Rangers are Rangers got better. The Leafs got better. Um the Panthers got better. Mm-hmm. The Capitals even. I mean, Johan Larson's a really good defensive fourth liner, and Marcus Johansson's a familiar face that yeah. looks like right now is playing on the top line with Kuznetsov and Ovi, but a familiar mm-hmm. face, good you know, two-way guy. But, yeah, the, the East, I think the biggest theme has been the East is just making the West look like a little, a little like a baby deer compared to the big bad wolf. Yeah. Um, so it's the East it's, it makes things, you know, the Bruins got uh, noticeably better, but so did everybody around them pretty much. So yeah. it's going to be a wild playoff um, start to the playoffs um, in particular. Yeah. You know, I think you mentioned cop and I think, you know, as many people said, he would have been a great fit on the Bruins, just the way that he plays. So I think, yeah, I was a little disappointed. They couldn't, you know, make a move for him, but I think, you know, they're just going to kind of try to make it work with the group that they have. Um, yeah, Toronto and Edmonton surprised me that they didn't go after a goalie. I mean, you know, both of those teams, we obviously know what they can do offensively. But, you know, if you don't have a legit answer at that goalie position, you're you're not going to you're not going to go very far in the playoffs. I think that's just how it is. Um, and then uh, Johansson was a guy that I thought you know, eh, maybe the Bruins could could check in on him, but ultimately he ends up going back to the Caps. I would have liked him coming back to the Bruins and maybe stick him on the top line if you move DeBrusque separately. But I think, you know, when they trade for Lindholm and DeBrusque wasn't moved, it was like, okay, he yeah. probably isn't going to get moved unless they're doing anything, unless they're going to do something crazy. Yeah, when Raquel wasn't included in the Lindholm deal, yeah, that's when Hope almost completely got squashed you know once the interest came back out on deadline day i was 
you know, I got a little excited, but like I said earlier, I wasn't like chomping at the bit, like, oh, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. I was kind of skeptical. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the most exciting deadline, but definitely some interesting moves. I, you know, I think one of the more interesting moves that could have happened as well would have been uh, seeing Arizona take on Shea Weber's contract, which almost happened. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the worst thing as a Bruins fantasy, the Canadians stuck with that contract. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, well, uh, obviously, Mike, it was great having you on uh, today. So uh, before we let you go, do you have any any plugs, anything you want to you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't, for anybody listening, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Craddy. Uh, I got my own podcast as well. We're recording tomorrow night um, since we're rec- recording on Tuesday right now, uh, Wednesday nights. Um, for the Savage and Craddy Sports Podcast, you can find us, find us at Sal and Craddy Pod on Twitter. And if you search us up on uh, TikTok, you can find us as well. So, yeah, that's about it for me for plugs. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, great talking to you, Mike. We'd, uh, or I'd obviously love to have you back at some point in the future, you know, maybe doing a playoff preview, something like that. But uh, great talking to you this week. And uh, folks, we'll uh, be back with you guys next week. Have a good weekend, everyone.